All right, as you know, uh, if you're back with us today for the first time this season, I have been spending the past several weeks on the prophecies of Daniel, um, and uh, it becomes a very important book to study. And the reason for that is that Jesus himself affirmed the accuracy of Daniel. And we'll speak about that. But Jesus talks about Daniel and, and refers to Daniel as authoritative. Um, and, and so uh, it becomes important. And by the way, those people who are watching us at home right now, since we are live streaming, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're pleased. You're every bit a part of this class as those that are sitting here. You're at home. Stay in touch with us. We love you. And we will pray for you. Uh, and so this becomes an important, important book to understand and study. Jesus affirmed it. Jesus indicated to us that it was reliable. And so you see these incredible prophecies that, are, that come about somewhere around the year uh, 650 or so B.C. Uh, and God is speaking directly to Daniel. Uh, and the angels are coming and giving him the prophetic news of what will happen in the future. Uh, and it's important for us to study it, and I'm going to spend some time doing this to you uh, so that you get a sense of it. But one of the things that we're studying uh, last week and we'll do this week is the rapture. The rapture. And it's important to study the rapture because what you understand when you study the rapture, first of all, is that there's some large denominational churches that do not believe in the rapture. I was surprised when I studied this that the Roman Catholic Church does not believe in the rapture. I also was surprised to see that large segments of the Lutheran Church do not believe in the rapture. Well, let me tell you something. If all I told you was my opinion, it's irrelevant. But when I give you Scripture, when I give you Scripture, and it becomes very clear in Scripture that, in fact, the rapture is coming, I think you can rely on it. So God has made that clear. And here's the thing. The rapture will presage the Antichrist. And we're going to spend next week uh, and probably two weeks studying the Antichrist because the Antichrist cannot appear on the scene in this world until the Holy Spirit is basically taken out of this world. When the rapture comes and the Holy Spirit takes the church out of this world, effectively sucks the church out of this world, and all those who are Christians at that time, then what's left is a tremendous vacuum, and evil steps into that vacuum. Uh, and so uh, that's why we study it. Now, we will not be here after the rapture. Nobody in this room who has accepted Jesus Christ will be here after the rapture. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And let me tell you, when you hear what it's going to be like when the Antichrist comes, you're going to be glad you're not here. You're going to be glad you're not here. Um, and the other thing that I want to indicate to you is the fact that um, some people have opined that uh, you have to be a very, very committed Christian uh, in order to be taken in the rapture, that those Christians who really are not super committed are going to be left behind. I don't see anything about that in the Scripture. Uh, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, even if you have not walked in a committed way, you're going to be taken in the rapture. All right? Then it's going to be another issue for you to talk to Jesus about what you did with what he gave you. And that's a whole different story. We can talk about that at another date, another time. But I want you to understand that if you've accepted Christ at the rapture, if it came within the next hour, you're gone. We're, uh, you got that right. And we'll all be gone. Uh, and what, what's going to happen next uh, is going to be ugly. So we're going to study all these issues and, and bring it back uh, to your attention. Now, 
One of the things that I, I want to uh, emphasize to you is the differential between the rapture and the second coming of the Lord. And so just to, to kind of get your head into it, what comes first is the rapture. And here's how you will understand this. When the rapture comes, Jesus is coming by himself for his saints. Coming for his saints. He is coming back to this world uh, to take every single person who was a Christian out of this world. And at the same time, when he does that, the, the graves will open up all over the world. And all those who have died in Christ from the beginning of time, uh, will, those graves will be opened up and those uh, bones, whatever's remained, will be sucked out of the ground and taken into the air. And what will happen is those, those bones those bodies will then be joined to their spirit that's already in heaven, and they will be given glorified bodies. That's when glorified bodies are, are, are turning around. Uh, and what is a glorified body? A glorified body effectively is what Jesus had after he was resurrected, a body that could be touched, could be seen, uh, where you could put your fingers in the nail marks uh, of the crucifixion, and yet that body could walk through a wall and could move instantaneously around. That's what a glorified body is. Well, when we go to the Lord now, we don't get that body until we will get it at the time of the rapture. So we'll have a spiritual body. I can't articulate to you exactly what that is. God doesn't explain everything to us. It's amazing he's explained as much as he has. Uh, but I want you to understand this so you get a sense. So that's the rapture. Um, and so when the rapture comes... Uh, as, as we will understand it from the, from the writings of Daniel and actually from Jesus and then Revelation, what will then take place is a seven-year tribulation period. We're going to talk about that tribulation period. That's going to be the rise of the Antichrist. So the Antichrist will rise following the rapture. The world will be in chaos. He will seemingly have answers that the world will be attracted to. He will become a world leader. And over that tribulation period, he will effectively demonstrate over each successive years that he is Satan incarnate. And somewhere around the halfway point of the seven years, he will demand to be worshipped as God. He will walk into the temple that has been rebuilt uh, in Jerusalem, and he will there have a statue of himself and demand that everyone in the world worship him. And that's when the curtain begins to come down in which hundreds of millions of people will be martyred because they will not worship him. It's going to be an awful period of time. Uh, and so then, at the end of the seven years, Jesus will come back. It will be the second coming. All right, He will come then, at that point, with his saints. Remember, the rapture is for his saints. The second coming is with his saints. What does that mean? It means all of us in this room will come with Jesus in this enormous army of the sons and daughters of God as we will come with Jesus descending down to this earth and Jesus will alight on the Mount of Olives. And at the Mount of Olives, there will be hundreds of millions of soldiers uh, surrounding Israel as one of the greatest cataclysmic battles of all time will be setting up to take place at Armageddon. And on, as Jesus finally puts his feet back on the earth, and that will be the first time he will put his feet back on the earth. The Bible tells us that the Mount of Olives will split in half. Split in half. 
And at that moment, as those armies are there, Jesus will merely say a word, a word. And that word will instantaneously destroy all the evil doers of the world. They will be annihilated. All those soldiers will be annihilated. Uh, and that will, be the begin- that will be the beginning of the final return of Christ. What will happen after that is the millennial kingdom will be set up, and we'll talk about that as well. But I wanted, I wanted you to get that sense so that you understand kind of from a, a, a larger picture of what will happen. So uh, the rapture will begin the seven years of tribulation. Uh, that will end with Christ coming to this earth to set up his kingdom, uh, and his kingdom will be the millennial kingdom. Uh, and so I, I wanted to make sure that you understand this. So now the, the rapture uh, says that all are saved and caught up with Christ in the air, and that's in uh, uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Why don't you turn to that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's what I told you about the graves. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So there will be some people who will not experience death. They will be effectively translated from this life uh, into a glorified body, those who are alive at the time of the rapture. We don't know when the rapture is, okay? Uh, But they will receive a glorified body without ever having to die. Uh, Now, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, we have Christ coming to the earth and judging the nations, um, uh, which takes place after the tribulation period. So I want you to understand that. There's seven years of tribulation. Uh, And so you need to understand this. If you focus in on Matthew 25, verse 31, I want you to be able to see the differential. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And so what does that mean? It means that after he comes... After the battle of Armageddon, as he's about to set up the millennial kingdom, there will be a judgment. He will sit there, and there will be people left on earth, uh, and Jesus will judge the difference between the sheep and the goats. There will be people who've come to salvation after the rapture. Now, you're saying to me, well, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of this world, how can they have been brought to salvation? Well, the Holy Spirit took the church out of the world. The Holy Spirit as an as a individual entity still remains. But the restraining authority of the church, which would restrain evil on a corporate basis, would be taken away. So people will still be able to come to salvation, and there will be many who will be saved uh, during this time. So what do we see here from this? It's the last judgment. Christ comes to the earth. He will sit on his throne. He will separate the saved from the lost. Uh, and, and so it's pretty important. Now, what happens to the lost? hate to start the new year with some bad news, but, but here's the point. You know, when you read this stuff, 
And all I would say to you is if you haven't come to a decision with Christ, do you think you want to hang around for the tribulation? I mean, seriously, do you think it's going to be better at the tribulation? You think you're going to have a better way to come to, to, to the Lord Jesus during the tribulation when, when evil is going to be running rampant? Because now is the time to make your decision. You want to be taken out of here before all of this happens. And God loves you and he wants to do this. Uh, and so I, the point I'm, I want to emphasize with you here is notice the difference in, between the Matthew passage and the Thessalonian, Thessalonian passage when we see Jesus speaking about the rapture, when, when Paul rather. At the rapture, Christ does not come to the earth as we are caught up to meet him in the clouds. He doesn't come and put his feet on the earth. He comes in the clouds and we are caught up to meet him in the, in the air. Whereas in Matthew, the second coming, Christ comes to the earth to establish his kingdom. Uh, and notice carefully, if you would, that uh, in the rapture in 1 Thessalonians, the saved are the ones taken to heaven. You notice? There's no mention in 1 Thessalonians in that passage anything about the wicked or the lost. It's all about the saved. But when you study uh, Matthew, when Jesus speaks about that, it's just the opposite. Because there, those that are taken are the lost. Those are the ones that are taken at the, at the judgment there. They're cast into the lake of fire, while those that are left are saved and enter into the kingdom uh, in their earthly bodies. And so there it is. The millennial kingdom uh, begins. Uh, and that is a whole other study that's worth doing. I'm not going to do that now. If God leads me, we'll study, we'll study there. Therefore, it is imperative for the Bible student to understand that these two events, the rapture and the second coming, are separated by, and now I'm going to give you this, which I will, will talk more about it uh, next week and the following week, the 70th week of Daniel. The 70th week of Daniel, because as we study, there will be a timeline that is evident to us in Daniel. Well, Daniel is given the prophecy of the coming of Jesus Christ. And when you see this, your head will blow apart because you will find it astonishing that somewhere around the year uh, 650 B.C., Daniel prophesies precisely when the Savior of the world will, will be coming into Jerusalem. Imagine that. Uh, and it's the 69 weeks uh, that he prophesies, 69 weeks each week representing seven years. And we'll talk about that. I'm not doing it now. But there's a separation between the 69th week and the 70th week. And the 70th week is the seven-year period of the tribulation. Each week, each week is seven years. Uh, and so uh, it's important for you to understand this. Uh, and so the rapture was a mystery. It was a mystery, not really revealed, um, uh, not really revealed until the apostle Paul had this revelation. Uh, and it only was revealed after the church age began. What do I mean by that? The church age begins at the day of Pentecost. All right. Once the day of Pentecost came, that was the establishment of the church of Jesus Christ enunciated by uh, the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. Once that occurred, then Paul was given uh, shortly thereafter the mystery uh, of, of, the, uh, of the rapture. Um, let's, and let's turn, if you would, to Ephesians 3.10. Ephesians 3.10. Let me start with 7. 
I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given through me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, you can underline it, this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And so what does this mean? It means it was a mystery. It wasn't revealed by God. Um, and, And it was only revealed to him after the establishment of the church age. Uh, And so this becomes uh, important. So here is the thing that you need to understand. Uh, If you're a Christian, you are going to be taken. And and there's three things that you need to recognize when you do this, as Paul is writing to Christians. First, they were already delivered from the wrath of hell. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. All right? Anybody that tells you that once you've accepted Christ, you have to continue to work your way through salvation, that there's a requirement of what you need to do in order to be saved. False. False. Works have nothing to do with salvation. You are saved once and for all. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He, he puts you in the palm of his hand. Nothing, no power, nothing will take you out of his hand. Amen? Amen. All right, that's a big deal. Now, this is something that I've, I've really come to understand through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's something between day one, you're saved. He seals you with the Holy Spirit. You didn't do anything but recognize you were lost. And day two. And what do I mean by day two? Day two means now you have to walk with the Lord. You have to be constantly sanctified. You have to take up the cross of Jesus Christ and walk with the cross every day, advancing the kingdom of God. That does not make you saved, but that defines you as a Christian. This is the call of God on our life, and this is where you all are now. You are all in day two. When some of you come to me and ask me about certain people from certain denominations and wonder if they're saved, and without me speaking about any certain denomination, but you can keep in your mind those questions that you have, I want to assure you that I believe many of them are saved, but they're camped out in day one. Okay, They know who Jesus is. They've accepted Jesus as, as their Savior, but they don't really have never really migrated into day two, most likely because they haven't been taught about day two. They don't understand the day two. So picking up the cross, walking with the cross, the daily sanctification, Lord, wash me, Lord, purify me, constantly talking to God, having prayers a hundred times a day in this language with God, being the hands and feet of Jesus, all of this relate to day two. Let's understand that. All of that relates to day two. Um, And so uh, this is important for you to understand. Uh, Now, here's the other thing. The church is delivered from the wrath of the tribulation. God did not intend for you to be martyred in the tribulation. He's called you. He's sealed you. He's protected you. And when that awful day comes, you will not be there. How do I know that? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. And that is the tribulation 
wrath, but to obtain salvation, that is deliverance, by our Lord Jesus Christ. But God did not appoint you to be there during the period of wrath of the tribulation. He called you to be delivered before that. Uh, and so this becomes important, so we understand that. Uh, and as I said to you, that at the time of the rapture, spiritual Christians and carnal Christians will both be raptured. There will not be a differentiation as, as I see this, uh, and, I, and I see it uh, pretty clearly in this as I've read this. And there's no partial rapture, okay? There's no partial rapture. It doesn't just rapture some of us and leave some of us behind. The entire uh, kingdom of God, the entire Christian community will be taken. And I want you to think about what that's going to be like in this world. And if you've read the book, uh, Left Behind, if you've read those series, if you've seen the movies, you know that there'll be airplanes, and I have every belief that this is the way it'll be. There'll be airplanes whose captains are Christians will be sucked out of the planes, okay? Sucked out of the planes. Passengers on those planes taken out, all right? Buses, uh, taken, uh, the drivers taken away. Cars left driverless, okay? Uh, in every possible way. And think about the mass hysteria that will come about as all of the accidents and confusion, and chaos takes place. And then the graves are going to be opened up. What do you think that's going to be like as they look at hundreds of millions of graves and see them opened up and, and, and try to explain it, and try to explain it? And the one thing they'll never believe, they'll never accept, is that this is from the work of God. They're going to talk about aliens. I can imagine there'll be all kinds of spinning going on that Satan will do it, all right? But there will be mass chaos, there will be hysteria, and suddenly this guy, the Antichrist, will come, and he will be a gifted, charismatic man. Uh, he will draw people to him uh, because the way he speaks and the way he, he controls himself will be riveting, and the world, the lost world, will be directed to him, and that's what's going to take place. I mean, you could see it. I mean, there's no question that that's what's going to take place. Uh, and so we want to be prepared. We want to understand it, even though we're not going to be here. Uh, but I want you to understand this. Uh, and so uh, this becomes important for you to understand and get a sense so that you have a sense of comfort for you as a Christian for what God has prepared for you. Now, going back to my uh, outline uh, and, and, and really focusing in on it. God did not, does not intend that we will suffer uh, wrath. And by the way, if you want to see another perfect explanation of what's going to take place, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so listen, folks, if I don't give you biblical citations for this, it's worthless. Just like if you ever hear anybody else on television giving you an opinion about what's going to take place, test to see if it comes from Scripture. Because if it doesn't come from Scripture, turn the TV off. All right? Just turn it off. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. 15, verse 51, verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Why is that important? Because flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right? It cannot enter the kingdom of God. It has to be in a form of a spirit or glorified body. Flesh and blood cannot. Why? Because flesh and blood is perishable. Because flesh carries the sins and the DNA of Adam. Jesus came to clear all of that out of the system of this world. And so something has to deliver us 
from that flesh and blood, and that is what will take place at the rapture. This, verse 51, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. Stop. What does that mean? We will not all sleep. It means we will not all die. Those that are alive, that are Christians at the time of the rapture, will not experience physical death. They will be removed bodily from this world, all right? But, in the, but, but we will all be changed. Yes, we will. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So there it is. The dead in Christ will be changed, all right? They will come out of their graves. They will be changed, all right? Uh, those that have died in, with Christ who are now in heaven with Jesus, they will receive their glorified bodies as their physical body is somehow transmogrified into a glorified body. Don't ask me how, I don't know, all right? But I rely on the word of God. And for those of you who had, had issues about uh, uh, being brain freeze when you, when you die and the bodies are, are uh, burned, thank you. Can you believe that I couldn't remember that word? I can remember transmogrified, but I couldn't remember creation. Well, I turned 70 in a couple of months, so that's where I'm headed. So, so there it is, uh, cremation. You're worried about creation, cre cremation, because here's what you're saying. Some people have said it violates the word of God. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where there's any issue about cremation, because here's the thing. Whether the body is deteriorated over time and comes about and returns to dust in a natural way, or it returns to dust through cremation, molecules are molecules. And I know from my study of physics that energy is neither created or ne nor destroyed, but merely changes its form. And do you not believe that God has the ability and the authority to take molecules from everywhere that they are and put them together and reassemble your body? Give me an amen on that. Amen. All right. And here's the other thing. What about those that have died in the ocean and drowned? All those soldiers that have been killed over wars and whose bodies are, are littering the ocean bodies. What about that? Those bodies also will be returning. So what you see here is that at the rapture, God is perfecting the original creation. All right? What went wrong with Adam? God is made right with Jesus Christ. You got that? God has made it right with Jesus Christ. Yes, you're right. Made it right with Jesus Christ. And there it is. There it is. And so those bodies, those perishable bodies in dust uh, all over the world, unmarked graves, I don't care where they are. All right? You know, the tomb of the unknown soldier. Listen, we have the tomb of the unknown Christian, but we don't need it to be marked because he knows where it is. And on that day, on that day, you can take this to the bank. You can take this to the bank. He will put those bodies together. And so there it is. And we will be changed. For the perishable, verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. We cannot get into heaven with the same flesh and blood. We must receive our immortal body. And here's the other thing. When we get that immortal body, we will no longer sin. How's that? You'll no longer be tempted. All those issues that we struggle with day to day, 
and right, even as Christians, and we suffer with that. Once that happens, and once we're there in heaven, and, we, and this all comes together, you will no longer sin. I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, I read this. I mean, really, it's amazing to me that this isn't taught more in church. I mean, really, this becomes a clear understanding of where we're headed. You need to know. I'm giving you the roadmap. This is what it's about. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. And I read this at a lot of funerals, and I think, unfortunately, people don't understand it. But here it is. You do. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, man, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. There's nothing worse in this world than death. Death. And we all experience it. And our families, and our loved ones, even in our pets, we experience death. And it is so unbelievably bad. It was never designed to be like this. When God designed this world, he didn't design it for death. And not only that, I want you to understand something. It is not merely the death physically that we suffer, but it's the death of this creation, the death of the weather. Do you think God designed this world so that there would be hurricanes? Do you think God designed this world so there would be tsunamis and natural catastrophes? God didn't design this world like that. But what's happened is that as sin has crept in and has effectively uh, devalued human beings and crept into us, so also has the creation been ruined. All of it. And it will one day all be fixed and made right by Jesus Christ. It will all be fixed. And on that day, it begins with the rapture as we are taken out. And then seven years later, as he returns to this earth and removes the evildoers and eventually sets up his millennial kingdom on this world. And then for a thousand years, he will rule in this world. And then it will come where the new Jerusalem is brought to this world. And we'll talk about what that means. All of that coming together. But you need to understand now, and I hope you have a real clear understanding from Scripture of what is going to happen. What is going to happen? First, what's coming is he's coming for his saints, those that are alive, those that have died in Christ. And when he comes, he's not putting his foot on this ground. He's going to come, and in the air, we're going to meet him up in the air. And seven years later, after the most horrific things that will take place in this world that we will not see, we will not be a part of, that we don't want to be, but when he will come back on that seven-year period, and that's the day when God will put the evildoers in a lake of fire. And we will talk about the Antichrist next week. And buckle up, buckle up, because uh, there's no story that's more horrifying than what you're going to hear, but we won't be there to see it. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the words that you've given us. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the promise of salvation. I thank you that you will deliver us from this horrific future. Father, we bow and say thank you a thousand times, Lord. We don't deserve it, but you have saved us, Lord, because you love us. Bless our people. Protect them this week. Be with them wherever they go and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.